As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it. Welcome back, or welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, where we sometimes discuss U.S. Olympic athletes adult film stars, and sportsmen, drag racers. I'm solo on today's show. Um, Jed had a scheduling conflict this week, couldn't make it. And sorry, Jed, you missed a really good one. Um, this is, we've talked about this before. This is one of the perks of, of hosting a, a show of this nature is that I get the opportunity to pick the brains of some of the heroes of our sport, some of the individuals and racers that I have looked up to for a long time personally. And uh, this is one of those occasions. I got an opportunity to catch up with reigning and five-time NHRA Superstock World Champion, Greg Stanfield. And this interview is relatively short, but man, is it rich. And um, just on a, on a lot of levels, we talked about the um, experiences of Greg's career, which spans multiple decades in our sport. I mean, his, his, his fourth world championship to his fifth world championship were 27 years removed. There was a time Greg Stanfield absolutely owned the Superstock category in the early 1990s. He won three consecutive world championships. He won four world championships in five years. And then life and career and racing took him in a, a, a variety of different directions down this roller coaster of an amazing career from competition eliminator to pro stock truck into pro stock. And eventually 
uh, landed him back in Superstock in addition to racing alongside his son, Aaron, who obviously you're familiar with from his exploits in pro stock and factory stock and everything else. I think Aaron tries to run every class at the racetrack. Um, and, and to just hear Greg's perspective on his own racing, on Aaron's racing, on raising his family while you know, racing professionally and everything that has gone along with it all, along the way, this was a real treat. And uh, so I, I think I'll shut up now and, and turn this over to the man that you're here to listen to. Enjoy this discussion with one Greg Stanfield. But first, you know, you know, DJ those long nights, early mornings, rolling down these old roads, working all, all right, joining us now, five-time and reigning NHRA Superstock World Champion, Greg Stanfield. Greg, first and foremost, thank you so much for taking some time out of your schedule to join us here on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. Glad to be here, Luke. Yep. All right, so... 2021 brought your fifth NHRA Superstock World Championship, just a few years removed from number four, right? Uh, World champion in 1990, again in 92, again in 93, again in 94, 27 years later, again in 2021. Now, I can only imagine that 27 years removed, obviously a lot of life experience in between, I would assume a little bit different perspective, right? How does this year's title compare to your previous championships? Oh, that's hard to, that's hard to rank that. Um, you know, back in the nineties, I was just a young guy, just fired up about racing, you know? So um, if I couldn't bracket race on weekends, I wasn't NHR racing. I was, I was pouting. So um, in today's time, you know, with Aaron racing, I, I really enjoy helping him. Um, and we have, you know, have a lot of customers. We race together as kind of a family. So I enjoy helping them and, you know, me, me getting in the car is more Aaron pushing me to, you know, you always say, look, oh man, you're too good to be sitting on the sidelines. So he's, uh, he, he's the one that's, you know, got me back in the seat. So it, it, it's pretty cool to, to go out and win some races and, and uh, mix it up with the young guys. Obviously the competitive fire is still there. Is it, I would assume it, it feels a little bit different. Maybe it takes a, a different I don't want to say it's less important, but it's it's that added perspective and life experience has to change the outlook on the the importance of racing a little bit. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. I mean, you know, I go to if, if you know me driving today, I, I go for enjoyment, or it's it's kind of a hobby, you know, not my job. You know, a lot of people, it's their job, you know, and um, so when, when I hop in the car, it's you know, it's, it's the carefree attitude. So, and that, that helps, you know, win or lose, I'm having a good time. So it's not, you know, I still get mad at myself when I make mistakes, you know, that, that probably drives me more than, than anything is, is a mistake. So I'm, I try to be a perfectionist with driving, you know, so well, obviously when you do make a mistake, you're like, man, how did I do that? So it happens. That, uh, that laid back attitude, like from the outside, that, that, that exists right that that seems to to follow you around like just uh you seem very very comfortable in your in your skin and and obviously comfortable in the race car has that always been the way that you approached it or is that different from from your reign in the early 90s um i don't know i think early 90s i was probably more intense you know in driving um trying to perfect the game you know of, of my you know ability to do what i can do um 
today is different. You know, I've experienced a lot. I was really fortunate to run a lot of different classes and, and, and race what I call the, you know, the great ones um, in pro stock. So that was that was a great experience. I think it just it just taught me to to to, to sit back and enjoy it. You know, that that's kind of been the big thing here, you know, as far as running the super stock car. It's just old memories and just having fun and, and uh, having a blast. And those old memories have to be a little bit easier to, to relive when you're in such a familiar surroundings, right? I didn't, I don't think I realized in the moment until I started reading up a little bit, this is actually the same car that you drove to those initial four world championships. And it goes much deeper than that. This has been a, a family heirloom for a long time, right? Yes, absolutely. You know, I, we raced it and then we sold it in the late night. Scotty Richardson actually bought the car in the late later 90s and, and somebody else ended up with it and I kept trying to buy it back you know back then when I was running pro stock and, and finally got it back and at that time Aaron was a teenager and, and my plan was to try to restore it for, for Aaron to race in super stocks that was kind of a, a cool thing for his you know see, you know high school project so Jeff Dona did a great job getting the car back you know kind of originally how it is today but you know it's 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 been it's I told Aaron he can't sell it no more <laughs> No question. And I believe your, your father had won in that car. Obviously yes. you've won. Yes. We, we've all, we've all, yeah. all three raced in it and, and had really good success. So it's been pretty cool. How different is the combination today from say 1994? Um, back in the day we run quarter jet, you know, carburetor, you know, non-EFI stuff. Um, when, when, when Jeff restored the car for me, I didn't have much time. I was pretty involved in pro stock real heavy and, and so, you know, in the 2000s, everybody turned to the EFI stuff. And so he put an EFI engine in it, uh, in the car, and that's what's currently in it. Similar speed as to what you were going years ago or not? Pretty no? close. Pretty close. Uh, actually, um, I think I was going 960s, 970s back in the day. I mean, and I was one of the faster cars back in the day. Uh, mm -hmm. Today, I feel like I'm one of the slower cars. And, right. and I've always, you know, felt like, you know, you have you have an advantage when everything's out in front of you. You know, so that's that's been a challenge for me. That's that's been my weakness in today's, you know, coming back racing with everybody is is being spotted, you know, and having everything behind me. So I'm not as flexible as I used to be. So, you know, and Aaron always tells me, Dad, you want the left lane to be spotted. You can see it easier, you know. So it's just, you know, I. I I'm still learning. It's not a deal to where, you know, you hop in these cars and you know it all. So each, each race, you still learn something and you try to put it in the memory bank of when you get back in that situation, you know what you need to do. Sure. I can only imagine like when you parlay, obviously the success that you've had over the years in Superstock with the success that you've had in other categories and the variety of experience, like I can only imagine that there's not much that, could shake you as a driver. Is that fair to say? <laughs> I don't know. That's hard to say. I, I, I'm a firm <laughs> believer if you if you know your job, right, and, and you can execute the best you can, that gives you confidence. So if you have confidence, the chances of you doing your job good are, 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 you know, better, you know. So that's kind of, I don't know, that's, that's how I see it. Now, over the course of your career, you've obviously got to do some really, really impressive things, like racked up some, some great accomplishments, three consecutive world championships, four world championships over the course of five years, um, the foray into pro stock, pro stock truck, like on down the line, uh, you've run your son in the final round. I believe you both graced the stage at the same national event. Cool. I can't imagine any 
anything that you've done in the past can match or maybe and you can tell me i don't know if it can hold the candle to sharing obviously we didn't get to technically share the world championship stage this season but to share that stage with your son is pretty incredible stuff right that was really incredible that um that 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 that's top of the list for me more than anything so to be able to do that i, I would say it's special and, that, and that's aaron pushing i mean he, he's the one that kept pushing to to do it otherwise I, i'm the guy just sat back and enjoy you know helping him and seeing his success so no that was pretty cool now I get the impression Aaron has pushed throughout the season, right? But there couldn't, you can't convince me, Greg, that you would have stepped back after the early season run that you had, like say through beginning of June and just said, okay, I'm, I'm done. Like there might've been some pushing along the way, but at that point you knew you were going to end up chasing it. Right. I don't know. I don't, I, I told him I had that when we started this, this is how this works. Cause in the past, my championships, I felt like you had to win four races, you know, to be a contender, to be able to give you a shot and do really well to, you know, your last four, you know, cause it's an eight total card, you know, point count. So I told him, he goes, what is it going to take? And I said, got to win four races, you know, and I won three and he goes, well, you can't quit now. And I said, there's too many good racers today. So that's not going to work, you know, and, and we're busy, you know, working on the factory showdown stuff. So that, that takes a lot of time. And, and uh, but yeah, it, you know, he he's on me all the time. People don't realize he's hard on me. So um, I kind of give in to him when he's saying, dad, you got to race. So, and, and, and I, I do enjoy racing. Don't get me wrong. I, I love hopping behind the wheel and, and, and racing. So, and it's, and it's cool to race this class um, because it's not, it's not as intense, you know, as the pro stock deal was in over the years. So once I got back into this and, and I, you know, felt, I was like, man, this is like, this is me right here. So it's not, you know, it's more laid back and, um, all the racers talk to each other and have a good time. And, you know, when they hop in the seat, they go at it, you know, but when we get, get done, everybody goes back, you know, you know, barbecue at night and talk. And so that's pretty, pretty neat. What is it specifically about Superstock for you? Obviously that's where your roots are, but I can just hear in, in the tone of your voice, like that was, that's still a natural landing spot for all the things that you've done for all the things that you've been to. What is it that's still so appealing about that category? Well, in, in a way, it's a performance category, you know, to, to a point, you know, I mean, the way they've done it in today's time, I, you know, you get, I haven't figured all that out. I'm still learning, you know, not, not to go too fast, you know, cause you can get penalized on horsepower and all that stuff. I, I'm a performance guy. So that's why, you know, like going fast. And um, so that, that, that kind of, you know, I, I like the tinkering part of it, you know, of, of making a car go faster. Um, so that, that's always, you know, I've always liked that. And, in the soccer deal, I really like stock, but the super stock deal, you know, the motors turn a little higher RPM, the big tires, just, just a little faster, you know, situation. So. Yeah. Bigger wheelies. Yep. Absolutely. Those are fun. <laughs> yep. So take me through, because Jed and I joked about this on, on previous episodes throughout the season, because I know it's not this simple, Greg, but from the outside, it like, it was like, yeah. Um, so yeah, I haven't done this super stock thing and really, you know, seriously in a quarter century, like, oh, but I, yeah, it's just like putting on an old pair of shoes. Like I'll just hop back into this and go win another world championship. I know it's not that simple. Can you walk me through or, or really walk the listener through the progression of, of your career? Like what, what all have you done between 1994 and now? Because it's a laundry list looking at it from the outside. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. So 
you know, I had really good success in, in Superstock. And um, so I, I would just wanted to challenge myself. So, I, you know, I felt like Competition Eliminator was the next next step for me to being in the performance side of it, you know, building engines and porting on cylinder heads and trying to understand how the engine works. And so I ran Competition Eliminator, I think, a couple of years um, and, and contended for championships there. Didn't didn't close it out, but was like final round of Pomona one year, had to win the, win the race to win it, got runner up. So, you know, running against Bo Nickens, which was really dramatic, you know, so, but didn't close it out. Um, and then a pro stock truck class came along and, and that, that intrigued me, you know, as far as, you know, young guys jumping in there and, and, and running an all out class. And so jumped in that, ran that for years, obviously that, that class went away. And then I was on that fence post of like, what do I do? You know, and my dad was behind me and he said, next steps on you. He said, you, you, you need to go, you need to give it a try. And I was like, man, there's no way I could run against Warren or, or Bob Glidden or, you know, all them guys that, you know, at the time, you know, the, the Mopar guys, I said, there's no way I can run with those guys. He says, don't underestimate your talents. Said, you know, he goes, you're, if you work hard and you're persistent and you focus and you do your job, you, you can get there, you can achieve your goals. So that was, that was pretty cool. So we did the pro stock deal for a few years and, you know, it was it was hard on the family with the kids growing up and, and trying to balance everything and, and uh, so for me to fast forward to today I'm enjoying my time with Aaron today so you know we get to work side by side so that that's been a, a blessing because the first 15 years of his life you know his mom was like there for him you know I was there as much as I could but the pro side deal kind of took up a lot of my time I'm sure it did the um and that's kind of you alluded to it earlier but the next direction that i wanted to go with this you kind of joke and like yeah you know my personal racing is not really a priority and 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 i feel like there is a segment of our listeners kind of rolling their eyes going yeah whatever i don't think it's fair to think that your personal racing could possibly be your priority you guys are spread at least from the outside extremely thin right between Aaron running pro stock. He's winning factory stock world championships. He's running top dragster. He's running super stock, <laughs> your, your own racing. Uh, and then not to mention the fact that you've got, you know, dozens, maybe hundreds of customers at each event that you guys go to that you're servicing, that you're, that you're following up on. Like, I guess my question for you is how do you balance all of that and seem to do it all with, at least from the outside, relative ease and obviously do it all very well. <laughs> I don't know if you could say the balancing act. It's it's a lot of work, Luke. I mean, very very lot. And and you know, one thing I learned running pro stock is is is, is work ethics. In other words, if you're going to be competitive and you're going to get your achieve your goals, you're going to have to work. And in in today's time, you know, that's that I've just rolled that over in this and tried to preach out to Aaron, you know, to work and and, and try to try to balance everything. You know, it's hard to have a normal home life. You know, you know, obviously you have to have support from, from your other half. I'm, I'm fortunate with having Cynthia over the years, you know, take care of my needs at home. You know, I mean, she takes care of everything for me because I'm, I'm useless on all of that. You know, I know one thing that's, that's building engines and drag racing. So, you know, it's kind of a, an, an all in deal, you know, so for all the years I've been pretty much all in and to be where I'm at today, to be able to back off a little bit and watch these young guys go out and work hard and, um, that that's been an enjoyment to me to, to be able to kind of stand back and, you know, and, and lean on the fence post and go, been there, done that guys. Where did that work ethic come from for you? My dad. Yeah. My dad, he, he was a uh, hardcore military. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it, it came from 
man. We, we were really close back in the day. Um, so he was the guy behind the scenes pushing me, you know, to try to be better. So he was, he was my driving force behind me, which is weird because I've really never pushed Aaron to do this. It's more been his want than me pushing him. And now it's turned around where he's pushing me to, to, to race. So I'm like, let's see, I got my dad doing it. Now you're doing it, you know? So that's been pretty neat to see that. No question. And, and it's, it's neat from the outside. I can only imagine how it feels on, on your end. And, and perhaps you, you just answered this question, but I'm, I'm curious from a, from a parental standpoint, like I, I, is Aaron an only child or if you got more? I have a daughter. Yeah. I have uh, a daughter. Yeah. Older or younger? Old. She's older than Aaron. Older than Aaron. I just, I watched from the outside at, at forget what Aaron's been able to accomplish behind the wheel, but I watched the way that he goes about his business at the racetrack and that the work ethic is obviously there. It just seems like he doesn't stop and yet always seems to have time for everyone and obviously time to focus in on, on what he's doing from, from your perspective, how much of, of Aaron's upbringing has been intentional? Like how much can you take credit for? I guess I'm just asking as a parent, like what, what did you do? You better talk to his mom on that one. <laughs> she had her flip-flops upside his head a lot. No, <laughs> no, he's, he's been, he, he's been, he's been good. You know, I just wanted him to enjoy sports you know, growing up and, you know, baseball and, and all this stuff and just, just make sure when he did make this decision, it was his decision, not, you know, not mine. So that way at the end of the day, you know, I can say, you know, you did it on yourself, you know, you, it was your, your call. So, um, when I was racing, you know, I, I got the, you know, at a young age, I got to watch my dad, my uncle race and all the old time guys race. So it was always something that, that, you know, I, I caught the bug probably when I was 12 years old. So I started driving racing cars when I was 14 and had a permit. So I was like, I was hooked way back when. What, what were those early days like for you? Where was that at? Um, East Texas, Hallsville okay. Raceway, uh, um, Billy Torrance, them guys raced back in the day. I can remember racing with them guys. Um, Tyler, Texas, they, they would run like on a Wednesday night or Friday night or Saturday and Sunday. They would, they had all the tracks and it was, it was quite the, quite the show back in the day. A lot of cars and that, that's, that was pretty cool back then. Real bracket race focused in your youth well, or more stock and super stock right from the jump? Back at, back in the day, it was the modified eliminator. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. when I first caught the bug, you know, super stock stuff like the stock. Stuff like that. And then it kind of rolled into the bracket racing. Um, I, I enjoyed doing that because I could go, you know, run the 5,000. Back then, a big race was $5,000 a race. So right. that was, uh, that's what we tried to, you know, when I ran Superstock, I had two motors, I had a bracket motor and then the Superstock motors. So when I wasn't Superstock racing, we'd come home, put the bracket race motor in, I'd go bracket race. And in, in uh, fast forward to, to Aaron's youth, was he on the road with you a fair amount or was he home for school and while you were doing the pro stock deal or what, what did that look like? He was home for school um, <laughs> and pretty much give me a hard time while I was out racing. If I missed the tree <laughs> a little bit, you know, so when I would get home, people don't know it. He would, he would pull out the practice tree. And I mean, every night Luke, he would just wear me out on this practice tree. I mean, he was like kid after head and he goes, we're not done yet. Keep going. You know, so a lot of people <laughs> don't, I mean, he is, he's been pushing me for a long time. So. Yep. And where did where did uh, his career behind the wheel take take root? He he didn't run juniors. I put him in a like a '98 um, LS Stalker. Um, I put him in that. I wanted to learn how to foot brake race, bottom bowl, um, just to teach him, you know, how to you know use both feet and just 
you know, drive a race car manually, shift it yourself, no delay box. And, and we bracket raced a lot with an NOE, and I made him race electronics with that car against them guys, just to just to tell them, you know, look, you're going to have to, you know, try to elevate your game. So the only way I can make you better is put you in a class that they are good, you know, not, you know, where, where if, you, if you just stay stagnant where you're at, you're not going to get better. So I, I would always feed him to the Lions and, he would just be like, he's like, Dad, this is just not fair. These guys got delay boxes, they're leaving off a button. I'm over here foot brake racing. And I was like, it's gonna make you better. Trust Good me. Good for you. Trust me. Yes, yeah. yeah. Yep. Now his career progression looks again from the outside to be very intentionally rooted in versatility, right? And I always feel like there's a ton of value to, to driving a variety of different cars and and having to have to create a, and develop a, a variety of different skill sets. Has that been intentional or is that just kind of the way things have fallen into place? Um, it's been more intentional on my part, just so he could, you know, understand how it all works. Um, just as many cars he could get in, you know, putting him in it and, and, and realizing, you know, what it takes. I mean, he's, you know, for somebody that could get in a factory showdown car, and drive that and then drop, jump in a top, top dragster. And I'm not an electronics guy, so I don't even know how to do a delay box. So, and, and do that job and to get in a pro stock car. He's, he's pretty versatile. He's, he's more versatile than, than I was for sure. I, I was a more of a, I tried the two car deal back in the nineties and, and had some success. I'm just a better one car guy. So I could really try to hone in on my job. But it doesn't matter to him. He's like, this is easy. I got it. You know, like, okay. <laughs> To, to put the crown of, uh, of more versatile on anyone coming from, from your mouth is pretty impressive, right? Because you've yes, done a lot yes, of things in the course yes. of your career. And to, to bestow that on Aaron at, at such a young age is high praise, but I think warranted, you know, just watching again from the outside. Yes. Let's, let's circle back, Greg, to, to 2021 specifically, because we had said relatively early in the summer, that this looks like a, a three-way race in, in Superstock between mm -hmm. yourself, uh, Ricky Decker, Joe Santangelo. And there was a, a, a phase there, which I, my impression in looking back now is that you were focused on factory stock, right? And, and mm -hmm. once, once that season kind of wound down, you were able to get back in the seat and pursue the Superstock title. Um, but there was a, an, a couple of months there where you weren't really in competition in Superstock. And Decker and Santangelo just kept winning and kept winning and, and kind of began to distance themselves. And I kept saying, like, this championship goes through Greg Stanfield. Like, he's got a lot of races <laughs> left. I assume he's going to make enough of them. You know, just he, he's biding his time back there. But was there a time where you said, man, those guys are going to be hard to catch? Yeah, I, I, you know, I look at the points, but don't really dwell on it. And, and I told Aaron, he's looking at it, he said, you still mathematically got a shot. So you're racing. You know, that's kind of how that all, you know, he's a numbers guy. So he puts it in front of me and, um, you know, Ricky's a great racer. Santangelo's a great race. All them guys, you know, Jimmy DeFrank, there's, I mean, there's a whole list of them, you know, and today's time to build it, to actually get in and take it serious and try to, you know, pull this thing off at the end. That was, that was pretty, pretty neat to do that. Yeah, no question. And it went, it, it flipped so quickly um, from, all right, Stanfield's sitting here and he's got a lot of races left and he's got a, got a shot. And then it seemed like once you guys got back on the, on the path and Superstock, mm -hmm. it was almost immediate. I think the, what is it? Was it runner up at the Houston makeup and then yes. the win at Bristol and all of a sudden yep. it's all but over. I mean, just, yep. just like that, you know, just fortunate. I mean, right time, right place. I mean, we, we both know it can go, go either way. 
on a lot of the close races. You just try to put yourself in a position, you know, to where you have a good chance of, of turning the wind light on. And I think that's that's the, the main thing on this is, is, you know, try to set your package up to where you think you're in the window. And if a guy closes you out, then, you know, you shake his hand and, and uh, wish him luck and, and go to the next race. Was there a significant emphasis on your end in, in terms of preparation? Maybe not. And I feel like you guys always show up to the track with race cars ready to go, but was there like a month buildup on the practice tree or, or was it <laughs> kind of an afterthought all the way along? To, to, to tell you the truth, I have not hit a practice tree all year this past year in, in five tenths. Have not, not once. So I didn't, and, and that's just being honest with you. Now, when I pro stock race, I was on it like really? as much as I could be on it. Yeah. Uh-huh. It, it's more of a, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of hard to explain once you kind of find your zone, um, you know, where you need to be on the tree as far as how the cars react and, how, you know, your engine speed, just your whole package, you try not to disturb that. So I'm a firm believer, right? If, 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 if I roll out there and just say, you know, we, we, we're going to Belrose and I hit the tree and I'm like 12, I'm 14, I'm 15, I'm, I'm not going to hit the practice tree because I'm going to try to keep my mental focus on what I'm, where I'm at, what I'm doing. So I only I only hit the practice tree when I'm lost. In other words, when when I lose that edge of being focused, you know, on on you know, on the job. And what I've learned the older I've gotten is the more calm I've gotten. In other words, I can just slow everything down, and 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 that's that's made things easier for me is to to you know be able to control you know if you call it adrenaline or whatever you want to you know call it you know keeping your heart rate down. So. That's that's what I've gotten better at the older I get. So, and and I think that's the ability. Once you do that, look, you can focus. In other words, if, if you if you have a 140 heart rate, I don't know if you anybody's ever if you've ever done it in pro stock. We monitored that through race pack. Really? See, well, I wanted to see what my heart rate was, yeah. and I was I was terrified. I mean, there was times my heart rate was over 170. I'm like, holy cow, I'm not breathing. You know. So then it goes back to like, you know, I might need to breathe a little bit. So. Um, I think the ability to learn from that stuff and be able to slow things down and keep your heart rate down, things happen easier. And, and then, you know, the practice is the practice comes, it, it's less, you know, I don't know if that makes any sense, you know. No, it makes perfect sense. Now, yeah. I'm curious, that calm focus that, that you're able to attain today, do you feel like that is more simply the result of experience or is that the result of a conscious effort you've put to? I, I think it's, it's both. Uh-huh. Um, I realized, you know, back, you know, when I was pro stock racing to be able to get on that edge and, and driving them cars, you know, I had to learn what made me tick. Um, and, and back then it was oxygen. You know, I preached to Aaron. That's like, Aaron, you, you have to breathe to slow the heart rate down. I said, I, I learned, you know, when we did the heart rate deal, and I was like, oh, I'm going to have a heart attack driving the car. So you have to be able to have oxygen to be able to slow, you know, for, every, for your body to function. You know, so it's more of a breathing thing for me. As, you know, a lot of people don't realize when you get in the car, you know, you just try to, you know, you need to take deep breaths and, and slow everything down. You could take this as a as a blanket question, Greg, or you could take it at, at different phases of your career, given you know different categories and things like that. But maybe as you walk along each step of the way, has there been any specific competitor that kind of stands out as like that was the the ultimate matchup? Like we both got up for one another, and I I really perhaps enjoyed, perhaps hated racing this person. Yeah. Oh boy. 
What class? <laughs> what class? But so well, let's circle back when 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 you had the the crown when you were on the pedestal and everyone was shooting for you in Superstock. Like who was who was the main adversary? It was Jeff Taylor. Yeah, Jeff Jeff Taylor. Um, but he's Jeff, the one that broke up your string, right? The one year that yeah, you didn't Jeff, win the championship. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff Taylor um, loved racing against him because um, I used to watch his brother Charlie race when I was younger. Um, so yeah, it was Jeff, Grant Lewis. Um, I think Dan Fletcher was coming along as I was getting out of the class. Um, man, a lot of lot of good guys back then, but Jeff was probably both of us were at our game, at our peak, about the same time. So we both went went at it pretty hard. And he, trust me, he was really good back then. What about in the uh, pro stock truck and in the pro stock days? Pro, pro stock truck, it was Bob Pinella. Um, he was he was a very tough competitor. Uh, Randy Daniels. I don't know if a lot of people know Randy. Randy was really good back then. Um, those those two guys were, were were hard, tough racers. And then pro, then, then we come to pro stock. It's only one person. It's Greg Anderson. <laughs> yep, it was uh, it was me and him going at it. it. Was probably probably the you know the biggest rival between the both those. I mean, his wife used to tell me we would hate. When we look at the ladder sheet, we would be teaming up. So, I would say it was he was probably my biggest rival in pro stock. It's uh, it's so fun to hear you talk about pro stock. And and to be completely honest, like I'm probably like most sportsman racers, biased. Like you were always my guy, or Jeg was always my guy, mm -hmm. or Dave Connolly, just because I felt like we had the shared background, you know. And you're yeah. carrying. And, and did you ever feel that pressure? Does Aaron ever feel that pressure? Like you're, you're carrying the flag for the little guy, so to speak. I don't know. He, he always feels like he's the underdog and, and uh, yeah, I, I, I'm a sportsman racer. So me racing with them guys, it was like, I was, you know, a little fish in the big ponds, so but I, I never felt like I was, you know, the big dog over there. So I was always felt like I was underfunded and, and uh, just the, the little guy trying to compete with him. So when I did turn to win light on some of the, the big teams, you know, it was, it was pretty fun. And Jaggy, Jaggy was a great competitor to race against um, a whole bunch of them, man. Them guys were, were, were brutal back then. And it's changed, you know, the, the, the scenery's changed since I've gotten out as um, far as the pro stock scenery, but it's still ultra competitive today with, with, with Eric, cause she's really good. And, and there's a, there's a slew of them that can just like waylay you. This Dallas Glenn has come on board, man. He is really good too. So it's fun for me to sit back and watch that and, and kind of reminisce back in the day because I wonder what people people were thinking like that back in the day. So, is that the the hardest car to drive of all that you've taken on? Yes, the pro stock car, absolutely. Yeah, very very hardest car to drive. I mean, it's a lot of lot of function with your body and car setup has a lot to do with it, and just the mental focus of you know trying to do the whole job perfect, you know, not make a mistake. So that's I would say out of all the cars, that's the hardest. And same holds true today. Yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's probably even harder today because they have the the tenth delimiter you yeah. know, rule in the class, so the shift points are really critical. So, you know, I told Aaron it, it would be tough for me to just hop in there and be as good as I was, you know, back in the day because we, we turned up a lot higher. Right. No, and I feel like just watching from the outside, not only is the the margin for error slim in that regard, but the racing is so incredibly Brutal. tight. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. And when they put the limiter on the class, it kind of closed everything together, you know, where the ETs and speeds are really close. So it's down to the driver making really good runs. Right. Yeah. 
The um, all right. So last question for you, Greg. And you, you touched on this a little bit earlier, but I think what is most impressive watching you today from afar, we talked about the, the juggling act that is your, your racing operation and, and all of the balls that you guys have in the air and how, again, at least from the outside, it looks like you, you juggle them seamlessly. It also appears that you guys have a great time and it just feels like you have a very healthy perspective not just on competition, but on, on life in general. Like, has that work life, race life, race family balance always been there? Is it something that you've worked to cultivate over the years? And do you have any advice for the rest of us trying to, to emulate that? Well, family first, obviously. Um, so if you can race with your family, I encourage it, you know. Uh, and there's and there's a lot of people that don't race for family and 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 what's cool about the sportsman deal is is we're all a big family at the end of the day you know if, if somebody needs help or they're broke down everybody pitches in you know to try to help in some way um I, you know life's short luke it, it is short um so you know while you're here you need to enjoy it and and, and if you're racing and you're struggling and don't beat yourself up just try to learn from your mistakes you know I'm, I'm, I'm a guy that when I win, you won't see me jumping up and down. But when I lose, I go pout in the corner. Nobody sees me pout because I'm trying to figure out, you know, what I did wrong or, you know, I always preach saying, and if you did your job and you lost, you did everything you could do. Now, if you failed your job, then you need to figure out what I did wrong. You know, so um, losing is tough. But in this game, guess what we do the most? We lose. Right. So, and I'm not going to say you need to learn how to lose before you can win. You just have to learn from your mistakes when you lose, if you made a mistake, you know, and there's going to be times where you do your best. And I've preached this to Aaron. I said, Aaron, I've had days where I went out there and I felt like I was unbeatable and couldn't turn a wind light on. And I've had days where I woke up, I'm terrible. It's, it's cloudy. I can't see. And somehow I turn the wind lights on. So I said, there's no, we can't predict it. All we can do is try to prepare ourselves the best we can. And, and, and show up and, and, and see if it's our day. If it's not, we'll, we'll go home and regroup and, you know, learn from, from what went wrong. That's fan, a fantastic outlook. Thank you so much for sharing that, Greg. Um, just on the periphery, it sounds like your plans for 2021 are at least going to start the season similar to your plans for 20, for, I'm sorry, for 2022 mirror those of 2021. We're going to do the same thing and, and just see how it goes. Um, yeah. Aaron, you know, <laughs> you know what's going to happen. So, um, but we'll just see, we'll just see how it goes. I'm not going to say I'm going to run for a championship, you know, but if it's there, you know, I'll, I'll jump on board and try to go compete with them guys for sure. I, uh, not to, well, I say it not to stack any added pressure on you, but I don't, I get the impression that, that at this point you, you don't feel a whole lot of pressure. I, I should have done, some research on this, but I'm fairly confident in saying that now you've rejoined a very elite group. Like there, there's been specific to Superstock, there've been many multi-time champions. And I believe now at this point, you join Peter Biondo, Jimmy DeFrank. Seems like I'm leaving someone out as five-time Superstock champions. I don't think anyone's gone for six in the category. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Just a little something to shoot for. Yeah, yeah. I would put my money on Jimmy Dufresne before anybody. <laughs> that's yeah. fair. That's fair. Yeah. So, well, Greg, again, thank you so much for jumping on the show with us. And just on a whole, uh, I know I've said this to guests before, but I don't think it's ever been 
more appropriate than it is today with you. Congratulations, not only on an incredible 2021, but congratulations on just an epic body of work. You are a first ballot Hall of Famer in this sport um, and, and are part of a, a, a first ballot Hall of Fame family. Uh, so you should take a lot of pride in that on, on, a, on a lot of levels. But again, man, thank you so much and uh, best of luck in 2022. Thanks for having me, Lou. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss or at least reference This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer, led by knowledgeable professionals. Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors, and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is, at each event, there are 100-plus entries. There's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.